Hello, I am Dr. Sonia Whitaker, host of the Sonia Whitaker podcast. Thank you so very much for joining me today. You may continue to access my podcast by visiting me on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or by visiting my website at SoniaWhitaker.com. That's Sonia, S-O-N-Y-A, Whitaker, W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R.com. You may also access my podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'd like to share with you today that our topic for discussion really centers around engaging in higher leverage strategies for achieving educational equity. And with that in mind, I want to be even more clear and to suggest to you that my focus today is going to be on what I refer to as cultural conflicts. Now, you may be wondering, okay, Doc, you've indicated that we're going to focus on or that you're going to focus on cultural conflicts. You may be wondering how that might help you as a school board member or how that might help you as a school district leader or a parent or teacher in your work. And so um, that's what I'm going to talk to you about. Not only the definition of cultural conflicts, but how knowledge of what cultural conflicts are actually will help you to develop in your equity journey. And speaking of our equity journey, I always like to remind that in our equity journey, the ultimate goal in my humble estimation is for us to develop our cultural competencies. It's important to recognize that cultural competence refers to an ability to interact effectively with people of different cultures and is comprised of four components. Now, before I talk about what those four components are, let, let, let's just pause for a second and really think about what I just shared. It's that cultural competence refers to an ability to interact effectively with people of different cultures. That means if my cultural experiences are different than yours, right? Then that becomes my frame of reference. And so in our equity journey, it becomes imperative that we are clear about how our cultural experiences cause us to interact with people who don't look like us, to interact with people who don't live where we live, right? And how our cultural experiences cause us to demonstrate our feelings about others. And so I've indicated that cultural competence is comprised of four components. And I want you to know what those four components are. Those four components are an awareness of your own cultural worldview, attitude toward cultural differences, knowledge 
of different cultural practices and worldviews and cross-cultural skills. Now, I must admit, when I think about these four components, I say this all the time. It seems like the more I do this work, the more I find out and I come to terms with the fact that I have more work to do. And so that's why we call this a journey. There is no end point. We never arrive, but we have to continue to practice what I call the policy of intentionality as it relates to demonstrating in our actions a genuine commitment to be more competent in this area in particular. And more specifically, as it relates to the four components, I'm thinking actually about that third one, which is knowledge of different cultural practices and worldviews. And going back to my term, uh, practicing the policy of intentionality, you know, we can elevate the work beyond attempting to know the the culture of the people that we interact with regularly uh, to making uh, an attempt, a genuine attempt to learn more about cultures from a worldly perspective. I guess I would call that a stretch goal for us. Now, one of the things I have to set the framework for those of you who follow my work very closely, I I tie all of this into, uh, from an educator's perspective, I'm a diehard educator. You all know that, right? That's my lane. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, the this conversation that I have and will continue to have you will be referenced from the perspective of my goal to ensure that all students gain equitable access to a quality education. You see, a lot of times when I engage in training, I tell the the teaching and the administrative staff, board, whomever the audience members are, that I I recognize that everybody in the audience may not be genuinely interested in the topic. I mean, that's real talk. That's what I do. I just talk real about this stuff. The reality is I'm talking. Other experts are talking about this conversation. But not everybody that's listening is genuinely interested. However, from a educator's perspective, again, I say that our goal, we're in the business of educating students. We're in the business of ensuring that all students gain equitable access to a quality education. So if you enter in this conversation for no other reason than to gain the, the knowledge that you need from an educator's perspective to be more effective in pursuit of that goal, then that's cool for now. So in the process toward developing cultural competencies, I make it clear that before seeking out knowledge about the cultures of others, we as human beings, even adults, I'd say probably adults especially, has got to engage in investigation of our own heritage, our own upbringing, as well as any potential that we may have for racial biases. Before we attempt to engage in knowledge, increasing our knowledge of other cultures. In other words, we got to be clear about who we are. In fact, in the classroom, I tell teachers with regards to developing your cultural competencies and with the first step being knowledge of self-culture, who you are, 
The goal is to be clear about who you are as the educator, because in the classroom, your cultural experiences impact your delivery of instruction and your assessment of your students' intellectual capabilities. The last part of what I just stated regarding knowledge of self-culture just a moment ago, um, I mentioned we've got to be clear about any potential cultural or racial biases that we have. The reality is that if we have a brain, we have bias. We all have a brain. And so therefore we all have a bias. And so it's important, again, to be aware of that as we go about our work. Now, what I'm gonna introduce you next, you won't see anywhere because I developed it. And it is the framework, it is the theoretical framework that I use to engage in conversations around this topic on a local, state, and national levels. And the framework, I actually, I actually go back and forth to be quite uh, honest. I go back and forth with the title of it. The title that I'm gonna refer to now is the process for dramatically improving student learning. And again, I go back and forth with that because the reality is that this is about the equity work. But if you refer to what I said a moment ago, that because education is my lane, uh, in terms of helping to impart knowledge amongst my peers, I couch this conversation within the framework of making sure that we're able to accomplish the goal of ensuring that all students gain equitable, equitable access to quality education. So the framework that I developed would suggest that the process for I'll say creating a more culturally responsive learning environment by way of improving student learning would be gaining knowledge of self-culture, knowledge of student and parent culture, competency in resolving cultural conflicts, familiarity with culturally responsive instructional practices, development of strategic instructional planning processes, also referred to as PLCs or professional learning communities, monitoring for implementation fidelity, assessment of outcomes, and the political will to act upon what we know. And so as I have described for you, the framework that I developed, again, I will suggest that the focus of my conversation with you today is going to be on competency in resolving cultural conflict. Now, cultural conflicts are misunderstandings related to differences in communication, learning, and behavior styles. And these conflicts can very often lead to cultural conflicts taking place in a classroom, in a school, throughout the district, at board meetings, at the local, state, and federal level. And I have, a, I have a tendency to believe that much of the conflicts that take place at the local, state, and federal levels has happened as a direct result of misunderstandings that people have amongst one another. And so I think that it's important for us to come to terms with the definition of cultural conflict and again to be about the business of attempting to, to learn how to resolve them. And I'll repeat so that we can be more effective in our work.
So let me let me tell you what this looks like in a classroom setting. And I think that regardless of whether you're a parent or a community member or a board member, that recognizing the example that I'm going to give is going to help you do your job and do it even more effectively than you're already doing it. So if you go back to um, the definition that I gave of cultural conflict, which is, again, misunderstandings related to differences in communication, learning, and behavior style. An example that I will give personally of a cultural conflict that I believe occurred, actually occurred when I was an assistant principal in a majority white school district at the time. And what I noticed, and you know, I always say to you all, I share because I think it's it's helpful for you to know my stories. Every time I conduct a speaking engagement, people say, oh, what I love the best is when you're vulnerable and you share your story. It's not always easy to do, but I think it's important. And so again, cultural conflict that I believe that I experienced uh, once was again, serving as assistant principal. And I noticed that um, when I would walk out to the cars in the afternoon at the end of the day, the parents, the black parents, they didn't talk to me that much. And I'm a black woman. And so I thought that that was interesting. Again, because I'm, I'm operating at the conscious level uh, in terms of my journey. That doesn't mean, again, that I have it all figured out, but I'm conscious, so I pay attention to things a lot, really closely. So again, I started to make this observation time and time again that the white parents had no problem interacting with me, but the black parents seemed to shy away from me. And to be honest, I like to think I'm a tough cookie, but that hurt my feelings. And so I honestly, I remember just sitting in my office and just kind of reflecting on my work in this area in particular. And that's when it dawned on me that even though I was an African-American woman, uh, that I wanted to think that I had similar experiences as the African-American parents in the school that I served, the reality is their perception of who I was caused them to take a pause in their interaction with me. The reality is that I was an educator with a lot of experiences in the field. And in some cases, I, I hate to say this, but in some cases, I think some parents, but not all, because I do not make sweeping generalizations, uh, felt conflicted uh, in their interaction with me. And so, you know, as I talk about uh, being intentional and being conscious, after I engaged in that reflection, I actually did more than go outside at the end of the school day to do my supervisory duties, for the lack of a better term, I actually began to approach the African-American parents, African-American mothers intentionally to engage in a conversation with them so that they could get to know who I was as a leader and as a person. So their perception of me, I'll say coming to, coming to work in a suit, the perception of me interacting with white parents was not that I didn't have a love or appreciation for my own. You guys, I don't think I could have said that any better. That was really, that was really sincere, what I just shared with you and really, really genuine. And I am uh, being very honest with you when I say that that really 
was a point of, of concern for me. But because of my journey and my commitment is in, in this area, I began to develop. I think that's, a, again, a great example. What I want to do for you now is I'm going to play from a DVD that um, is made available worldwide. And this DVD features me training educators on developing their cultural competencies. And this part of the DVD actually focuses on cultural conflicts. And what you're going to hear in this particular section of the recording is you're gonna hear a young white female teacher who talks about feeling conflicted. She's going to say, I'll give you a heads up, that sometimes I have a conflict in my classroom. And that conflict is associated at times with discipline or what she perceives to be the need to discipline black male students. She's conflicted about that. You're going to hear her tell you why she's conflicted about that. I want you to know that that's a big deal. It's a big deal to me because we want all teachers to be successful in their interaction with black students. We want black teachers to be successful in their interaction with black students. We want Asian teachers, Latino, regardless of the ethnic background of the educator. And we also want white female teachers to be comfortable in their interaction with black male students. And, and I'm gonna go out on a limb and suggest that because we recognize that white female teachers make up the greater majority of the profession, it is to our great benefit to ensure that we help them and others engage in these types of conversations so that the cultural conflict don't serve as counterproductive to supporting them and achieving the goal of ensuring that all students have equitable access or gain equitable access to a quality education. So please allow me to share this with you. And I'd like you to listen very, very closely at the conversation being had. As the group continued their discussion, they came upon an important conflict involving Chelsea, a young white teacher, and her fear of confronting her male African-American high school students. Um, to preface what the conflict was that we've been discussing in here is I just, um, with positive intent, came to my peers and said that uh, sometimes I don't quite know how to resolve or even initiate resolving a discipline issue or a conflict with a student of color, particularly a black student in my class. Um, I, April began, we started talking kind of about, does it have to do with a low income poverty spread? And it might vary well, but when it all boils down, as Howard had said, um, sometimes I may stray away from a conflict with a student of color, with a black student, because I'm not quite sure how they're gonna react. Are they gonna pull the race card? Are they gonna get defensive? Why are you coming down on me? Why aren't you talking to somebody else? And sometimes I'm scared or unsure of how to handle that type of uh, uh, confrontation. And so I might tend to avoid that and just maybe let it go or not push the issue as much as I should. So that's kind of the conflict that we've been talking about here. And so there you have it, a concrete example of how cultural conflicts might play out in America's classrooms. Not might, I'll say how cultural conflicts 
play itself out in America's classroom. And so as we began to look about the academic, look at the academic performance levels of black students who we know have the intellectual potential to achieve at extremely high levels. In closing, what I want to encourage you to begin to do is to familiarize yourself as well as the other adults in your educational institutions with the term cultural conflict and then to create opportunities to ensure that, you're, that you, the leaders, and or the educators that you lead have an opportunity to engage in conversations via professional development about this topic in particular. And a part of those conversations should also include conversations about cultural conflicts that they can identify that are occurring within your respective organization that can and essentially do prove counterproductive to supporting your goal in creating a more culturally responsive learning environment for the students that you serve. I thank you so much for giving of your gift of time once again. You may access this podcast and others by visiting me at sonyawhitaker.com, by visiting with me at Spotify or iHeartRadio. You may also access this podcast by going to Apple Podcasts. Make it a great day.